Hello, everyone. This is Critical Mess. We are back again. This is episode 13, Lucky 13. I'm Nick Honeywell. I'm here with my buddies, Grizz Griswold and Brian McCullough. Producer Ben is still on hiatus, unfortunately. I, I think he still loves us, though. Uh, I'm sure. I'm sure he does. But say say what's up, dudes. Hey, this is Brian McCullough. Uh, I promise this is the last time I'll bore you with my 10 favorite movies of all time, but we are on number 10, Jurassic Park. Ooh, solid selection. What's going on, everybody? Let's do this. All right. Before we jump into tonight's film, we're going to do an icebreaker. And actually, we're going to do two icebreakers. Yes. Because we have a prepared, that's right, we're going to bust that ice right up because we have a prepared icebreaker um, just because uh, Mr. McCullough over here thought of this and thought it might be good to give us a little prep time for for the question. And we also have an unprepared icebreaker. So we will start with the prepared version. And uh, that question is, what movie is a is a good movie, maybe even a great movie, but it has one thing in it. Could be a, a scene or maybe a particular actor or or just a you know some sort of plot device. One thing in it that just really bothers you and and takes that film down for you. Doesn't necessarily ruin the movie, um, but something that just stands out in a film that you like that's really bad. Anybody want to begin on that? Yeah, I'll start since it was my question. Uh, the movie that made me ask this question was one that I watched recently, and it's a it's a movie that I've loved my whole life. But it's got absolutely horrid critic reviews and audience reviews. But I still contend that it is a very, very good movie, with one exception. The movie is Nothing But Trouble, starring Chevy Chase, John Candy, um, John Candy, uh, Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd, Dan Aykroyd. He plays many people in the movie. Um, But what ruins the movie for me, and you guys... It is a good movie. Watch this movie. Watch the the the, the practical sets. That the story is is clever. I love the look Nick's giving me right now. It's one of absolute disgust. Yeah. Um, the uh, it's it's hilarious. The brother and sister from Brazil are so good. Chevy Chase is on point. John Candy's great. He's got a great character arc. I'm not going to go on more than that. But I will say what ruins the movie for me is those fucking big ass greasy babies that live in the junkyard those giant adult babies what yeah so molly and i watched this recently and we thought it would be funny to have like crosby watch it as a 10 year old and just see his reaction to it and like he thought it was laugh out funny like he thought it was funny but he's more of into like the mid 2000 comedies but i could not believe how much i remembered from this film and how funny it was but i i mean i guess they, they were just goofball characters i guess in a they just, they, I, I just, <laughs> I mean, you it, okay, there's a lot of gross out humor in the movie and a lot of yeah. weird things, but I find it all very endearing and very, um, I don't know, kind of rustic or I, that's not the right word, but it's just, it's, it's, I really enjoy watching the movie and it's a very, it's a, it's a really a scary movie, yeah. uh, but it's a comedy, but those babies, I, God I damn those that. babies. That movie was like beautifully gross. It was just like everything, the texture of all the scenes, the sets, everything was just so good. Yeah. Yeah, really great sets. Nick, you hate yeah, that movie, Nick's right? Nick's quick stare, his neck snap to the left just to look at Brian's face. Yeah, it was great. I fucking hate that movie. <laughs> <laughs> you're right, and I don't even want to get into why. Yeah, I just, let's not. I just let's do. not. It's, by the way, it's not on our list, so you're never going to have to hear an episode about that, uh, uh, listener. Just go watch for yourself. Grizz, what you got? Uh, mine is a recent film uh, that everyone uh, raved about for the longest time, A Barbarian. 
So something about that film, I thought I was just like on edge and curious about the entire thing the whole way through, like the halfway point when it jumps to uh, like a completely different set. And um, oh God, what is I'm forgetting his name, the main character. Uh, Skarsgård? No. Uh, shit, why am I talking about uh, uh, Justin Long? Yeah, Justin Long. Oh my God, I can't even think of his name. So I listened to his podcast, but Justin Long pops up and you're like, what the fuck is this movie? It's completely different than what I was watching. And it goes through, and then the ending just completely killed it for me. Just the the CGI, the the poor, like, slow death. Like, all spoiler alert, but it's just, I was just terrible. Let me, can I clarify? Does the ending ruin the movie for you? Or are you saying it's a good movie, except that's the glaring I, weakness? I think that did ruin the movie for okay. me. Like, that just, the how real and how, like interesting intrigued and like creeped out i was by the whole film i mean i was on edge with a lot of those scenes and like it felt real and then you get to the end and it's just like a cgi mess in the dark on top of a thing and dies and there's a weird awkward moment with a mother it's just really weird i just thought it was dumb and then the movie ends and yeah i really just kind of man i disagree with with some some of these movies you guys like here or 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 some things about these movies you guys like i guess i i thought the ending of that movie was was kind of brilliant uh, I, I I I see what you're, some of the technical aspects yeah. of it. It, it. Something like that, I where the movie was just flawless the whole way through, and then it just I w- instantly. I liked jumped. the the kind of the tone shift at the very 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 end. I I don't know. That's just me though. But great movie. Yeah. I think we it can agree. That it, was, it, was a, it was it was very a very good, good movie. Yeah, yeah. So we can yeah we can all all agree there. Okay, my um my answer is actually going to be um, a movie I, I really do love uh, that came out in 2001, Enemy at the Gates. Uh, this is uh, I don't there know. is nothing wrong with that movie. There is something wrong with that movie. Don't you say the love scene? Don't you say the sex scene? Oh, you better believe I'm going to say that dirty, dirty sex scene. Where they just roll around in the mud and just like groan in that room full of people, and it just feels wrong to me. And I get, I you know, I was you know probably um whatever this is 2001. I was in high school, and and I was you know especially at that time that probably really stood out to me a little more than it might today. But um. My goodness, I mean, I, 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 I get it. I get they were in love. I mean, they just didn't need to have that that dirty sex. It was just, it was gross, and it felt off, and, and it kind of took the movie down a, a small notch for me. But great, great, great movie overall. I think all we just lost all three of our female viewers because I think that tends to be a favorite amongst the female crowd, that scene. I, I know, and that's actually, um, I've, I, uh, I heard that from my girlfriend at one point. She was like, I really, I, I love that scene, and I just was, and we, we had a, a small disagreement about it, but that's okay. That's okay. You know what? Stay tuned if you're listening. We'll win you back. Don't worry. Yeah. Yes. Indeed. Stay tuned. Okay. Now we are going to move on to the unprepared icebreaker. It's a long icebreaker segment tonight, but we like our icebreaker segment. So here's the question. Slow burning ice. Yes. What is, and just the first thing, don't overthink this one, guys. What's, What's just a brilliant shot or sequence in a film, right? A brilliant take. You know, it could be 30 seconds, it could be 20 minutes, you know, but just a, just a, just a piece of the film that's small, um, but it's just something that especially is, is just especially brilliant to you. It could be the dialogue or, or just the way it's shot or just something that's just always stood out to you. And it doesn't have to be your favorite of all time, but what's just something that jumps to mind that you think is just rather, rather beautifully done? The collapse of all the buildings while the Pixies is playing at the very end of Fight Club. Mm. While Edward Norton and Helena Bonham Carter hold hands, looking out upon the yeah, destruction. It's a great, an- great, great answer. Incredibly striking and powerful moment. Yeah, 
Great choice. Uh, I have to go with the uh, uh, docking scene in uh, Interstellar. When he says that line, it's not possible. Uh, it, it, it's not possible. It's necessary. And like that is just the soundtrack going up and him playing that line and trying to dock. And like the whole sequence is just gorgeous from the weight of the moment, everything. It's just, it's brilliant. So, yep. Um, <coughs> excuse me. I'm going to go with, um, just for whatever reason, this just popped, popped in my head. The, in the Todd Phillips Halloween reboot, the, the, the first one from a few years ago, there's just this really brilliant, about halfway through the movie, uh, tracking shot of Michael Myers walking through the neighborhood on Halloween night. And it's just kind of like this over the shoulder shot. I don't know how long it lasts. Maybe a, um, it's not super long, a couple minutes or, or something like that, but it is it, just, it's a beautiful shot in the way the contrast of you just got this like stone cold murderer walking in this crowd of this, these innocent kids, you know, kind of on, on Halloween and how creepy that is and the way he kind of goes through this Midwestern neighborhood and into this perfectly staged garage. It looks, you know, exactly like a garage I would have seen in my neighborhood and grabs a hammer. Or I think it's a hammer, you know, and goes in the house. And anyways, it's just a beautiful, beautifully, well, it's not beautiful. It's actually horrific, but um, beautifully shot um, scene that I, I just thought was, was really awesome and, um, and a really good movie overall, one of the better reboots out there. So I'll say that scene is kind of conversely to the first question, that scene took an otherwise pedestrian movie for me and elevated it. Just that scene alone. Sure, so yeah, good. Yeah, I'm glad that that stood out to you a lot because yep. it, it really, yeah, obviously stood out to me. So Very atmospheric. Yep. Okay. Tonight, we are talking about a film that was made for Netflix, actually, our first in that category. Um, and we will, of course, be spoiling um, spoiling the shit out of this movie um, if you haven't seen it. So, and it's and it's a pretty new movie. It came out, uh, I believe, in uh, last year. So, that movie, of course, is The Gray Man. Uh, it was directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. It stars uh, Ken from the Barbie movie, Captain America, our old pal Billy Bob, uh, Anna De Armas, um, and I don't know. Do you guys know how to pronounce this guy's name? It's like Reggie Jean. Page, R E G E, Jean Page, Reggie Jean Page. I don't, I I apologize to you, Reggie Jean, or however you pronounce it. I'm sure I'm completely butchering that. I'm sure it's a French name. I'm sure it's beautiful when pronounced in French. So, a thousand pardons to you, sir. Um, so this film had a, a, actually a huge budget. When I saw the budget for this, I was like, holy shit, it's gigantic. Um, $200 $200 million for this Netflix exclusive film. And uh, it made two and a half times the budget, so it was a, a pretty big success. Or uh, Netflix says it made two and a half times the budget, and I don't think anyone can truly check that. Um, or at least according to their methodology, it did. So uh, whatever. That's a boatload of money. So it was um, a success financially. Um so this movie, it, it fits our criteria. What is our criteria for, for movies on this show? So um, to, to be a movie we talk about, it has to be either fresh or it has to be fresh with critics and rotten with audiences or vice versa. And that disparity has to be at least 20%. So our movie, The Gray Man here tonight, 
has a um a, a pretty a pretty stinky 45% with critics and a, and I'd say a pretty sexy 90% with audiences. So we got a we got a big gap here on on this one. Actually a pretty huge gap. So um let's get into this, gentlemen. Uh but before we do, I want to give a special shout out to our sponsor tonight, Woodenville Straight Bourbon Whiskey. It's the only bourbon whiskey we drink here on Critical Mass. It is 90 proof bitch. Yeah, that's a great de- uh, description. Also, uh, our good old Moday Day. Uh, is it? And I'm sorry, I want to I wanna, um, clear something up about that. So I don't think there's any clearing it up. Well, <laughs> this is just going to get more. <laughs> so it's... Um, we, we were talking about this a couple episodes ago, and it's Modelo, Modelo, what's the proper way to pronounce that? And um, I guess the answer I had been saying Modelo is probably Modelo. So I just want to take this opportunity to just apologize to absolutely fucking nobody. So, it's it's, mo- it's, it's Moday Day for me from Moday now on. Day. Well, whatever you want to call it, Brian, <laughs> we'll just, that's, that's fine with me. But anyways, we still love you, Modelo. And uh, we're we're sipping with you tonight as well. So thank you, thank you. Okay, back to our regularly scheduled programming. Let's get into this. Uh, I want to talk about our first exposure to this film, The Gray Man. How many times have we seen this film? Probably not that many times because it came out last year. But um, tell me, when did you see it? How many times have you seen it? Uh, I got to start since I picked this last episode. But uh, I saw it when it came out or released on Netflix, if you will. Um, I was excited about it. And great cast, interesting idea, and then the trailer looked intriguing enough, especially with the Russo brothers directing and writing uh, their first outing after the Avengers uh, saga that they went through. Um, but yeah, watched it when it came out, and then again last week or this week. So yeah, I you know I've got a Netflix subscription. I knew it was coming out. I knew it was a huge budget movie. I wanted to see if it would match something that would come out in the theater. So and I you know I like the the two um, leading spy versus spy characters, and then Ana de Armas is uh, you know she's she's nice too. Uh, so I watched it last year and watched it again yesterday. All right, and I watched it last night for the first time and was only had sort of a cursory awareness of this movie um, even existing. So. Um, Perfect. So, yeah. So let's let's rate this movie, guys. What what did we score this this thing? Go ahead, Grizz. Brian's looking around. Can't <laughs> wait to put a twenty two on this thing. But I want, no, no, no. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go with an eighty two out of one hundred. I really enjoyed this movie for wow. the, for what it was and the action. It felt like a a wonderful eighties action flick in today. So it's a nice. I don't know what I would call it. Uh, Mission Impossible meets Fast and Furious meets Die Hard. I don't know what you would call it, but it's. I thought it was a lot of fun. So, um, rip it apart, Brian. Rip it apart. You know, I I have a pet peeve whenever the first way that a movie is described generally is this meets this meets this because it almost means that the movie wasn't its own thing. Uh, and it's funny because one of my uh, first reactions to it was this is the Born Identity mixed with Man on Fire. Um, and then I read some critical reviews and everyone was just hodgepodging two or three various movies and saying this is movie is like those movies. So I think that's a red flag. Um, I give it a 47 out of 100. Yeah, please don't disparage Man on Fire like that. 
No, no, no. I, hey, to, to, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, the Born I, Identity I, I, and Man on Fire are both great movies. I know. I was just joking. I was just <laughs> yeah. joking. But you, I, usually it's people I, saying it's a hodgepodge of really good movies sure, that are their sure. own things. There's a there's a sprinkling of Mission Impossible there. Mission Impossible there too. I, and I and James Bond. And, ja- and James Bond. We're, yeah, we'll probably get into this a little bit mm-hmm. more, but it, it, you're you're onto something there for sure. Um, all right. I am going to give this movie a 54. I kind of liked it. Kind of didn't like it. I, you know, it's I. It's funny. I kind of the older I get, the less tolerance I have for action movies, even though it's historically a genre I really do like. And action done well is uh, maybe my favorite thing. But um, this was kind of a middling action movie to me. There was some cool stuff to like, but I, you know, I didn't love it. But we're going to talk about that a little bit more here. So kind of a big disparity here tonight. I guess you, yeah, you guys are what fifty-ish range, yeah, forty, fifty range. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in like I didn't hate it range, but I definitely didn't think it was a, a that good of a movie. Yeah, I, w- I would agree. It's not different enough that it stands out on its own, but I definitely thought it was very enjoyable for general audience. But I I just liked it because I liked those two actors. I thought it was interesting that they did something that was not normal for them, especially Chris Evans going villain. So hey, I've got I've got some. We're gonna talk. About I've got that. some Here. things about Chris Evans. I'm glad you brought that up. We yeah. are gonna talk about that for sure. I mean, how could we not? It's a it's a standout. It's Our a pretty it's boy, a, Captain America. Hey, yeah, in it's high. a very salient part hot of this take. Film. Chris Evans is a better villain than a hero. Oh boy. Ooh, hot. Yeah, that's pretty. I've good. got three movies to back that up. So, well, yeah, but he's a shitty actor overall, right? So that doesn't really matter. Well, I'm just kidding. Just joking, Chris. We love you. I don't think so. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I don't really have strong feelings about Chris I Evans. I hope Chris Evans and Keanu Reeves break down your door and just seal your Ninja Turtle figurines. Yeah. I hope they break down my door and just give me a vintage motorcycle and we go on an adventure <laughs> together. <laughs> that's that's I, better. That's what I would like. Um, anyways. Sounds like a movie we'd review. <laughs> yeah, I would review that. Yeah, that's a, yeah that could be fun. Uh, okay. Okay. So so let's let's start talking here, guys. About we, there, there's a huge disparity here, right? Um, what was it? Ninety percent for audiences and forty five percent with critics. So a, a pretty big one. Um, let's talk about why that is. And you know, I think it's interesting that that we in this group have a big disparity as as well. So um, yeah, hopefully we can we can speak to this. So what do what do you guys think? Um, and let's also you know if we want to read a few reviews, um, we can we can do that too. Well, I think if we start with the synopsis or the the consensus on Rotten Tomatoes again, I don't know who writes this stuff, especially especially these these newer movies that have both a critics consensus and an audience says consensus. I'm not sure. I'm sure it all comes from Rotten Tomatoes, but um, it's very interesting that we have both. Critics consensus at a 45%. Um, the Gray Man has the star-studded outline of an entertaining action thriller, but it's filled in with lukewarm leftovers from the better, from far better films. Uh, so again, kind of saying, you know, it's kind of like other films. Um, it's lukewarm. Uh, it's not great. Kind of, kind of what in line with what we were saying just now. Now the audience at a 90% says, "Add this one to your queue with confidence, action fans." The Gray Man has a great cast, exciting set pieces, and a solid story. And I actually, I'm not going to disagree with that, but I don't know how that makes a 90%. Add with confidence. That's strong. Well, I should have said add with prejudice. Well, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Nice. From our writer, Nick Honeywell. You're such a copywriter. Yeah, that's, that's, that's good, though. And, and if I may, you know, I'll let you chime in here, Grizz, but I, I just kind of wanted to read those, those two kind of um, summaries here. But if I, I, I got to read this, this critic. This guy just put it so well. Um, uh, Adam Kempinar from Film Spotting. 
God bless you. Just just the best sentence I've read in response to a movie. And this he gave it a three out of five, so he didn't hate it. And this just this is so perfect. The most glam dad enjoys while folding laundry movie ever. I did see that. That was pretty good. Yeah, that is, perfect. That is good. good. That's perfect. That's, that's strong. Grizz, what what do you think, man? What I mean, I guess maybe maybe if you want to represent the audience, because I think you're you're Rating fell in line with the audience ratings. Yeah. What, what, li, throw out some of the highlights that you think both you and the general audience resonated with. I think it's tough because this, I don't like to go back and say, I don't like the reviews that are just, this is a hodgepodge of this movie and this movie and this movie and combined to make this or whatever. Um, I did, I do look at movies and films or whatever, and you can look at any movie and critique the shit out of it and say it's a piece of shit, even if it's the greatest film rated both top and bottom. Um, I think the the thing about this is it was outrageously entertaining. It had a cast that was not willing to let up on their characters. It was um, simple plot. I think it's very similar to uh, John Wick, if you will, I even though that was even more simple. Um, but... Uh, I don't know. I just I think I just miss those '80s '90s action flicks that I like grew up on, and this felt like that in comparison to uh, Red Notice, which came out I think roughly the same time, or another Netflix action film that had a hundred to two hundred million dollar budget, which all fell completely flat for me and weren't funny or entertaining. This just felt a lot different in the realm of I don't know if it was just Ryan Gosling being uh, outrageously dark and grim in this movie, and then. Chris Evans having the time of his life, it seemed, as a villain for the first time. Or not the first time, but a really twisted, fucked up villain. Um, I'd love to see him in a whole other movie, just him alone. Oh, I think they're they're trying to set up a franchise. I know know for a fact they're writing a second one of this. I know it was like a franchise setup kind of thing. Um, but I don't know. I just, I, it's hard for me not to look at it and just enjoy it as a movie and not sit there and critique too much. Cause it is, it's an action film. It's a spy thriller. It's, uh, espionage. You have the good guys, the bad guys. There were enough twists that made it interesting to me throughout the film. And then there was plenty of action nonstop throughout. If I may stop you right there, yeah. you literally could have just been talking about Red Notice with those last two or three sentences you said. And I bring that up because not only is Red Notice on our list, but it has an almost identical split between audience and critics. And it came out the year before and it had an identical $200 million budget and it was a Netflix original. Now, yeah. you did not like Red Notice. You did like The Gray Man. I'm, I'm curious if you could distill all of that down into... One thing, what was the difference between the two movies? The difference is Red Notice knew what it was in this comedy rather than a dark comedy. I think there's a very, like, or an action comedy versus a dark comedy. So totally, totally. I think totally this had far better weight for a dark comedy than it did uh, Red Notice, which was a full-blown comedy. I mean, the way it looked, the way it was created, edited, shot, everything. I give a lot of credit to the Russo brothers for grounding this enough that you felt like it was somewhat real. There were a few CG moments that you kind of felt like, all right, what the fuck? What are they doing? But I know they had a lot of practical sets. They had a lot of fight choreography and stuff like that. They carried over from the Avenger movies that they used those assets they had. Um, And I respected that. I think a lot of those grounded fights and the, the, I mean, it was kind of dark for a PG 13 movie. I don't know if you guys agree with that, but I know it was on the brink of an R and they cut out a couple scenes just to keep it to a general audience. Grizz, I'm going to make a statement, and this is unironic. The Gray Man is a kid's movie. (laughs) And I've got five reasons plus one bonus reason why. 
Okay, let's I'll, go for it. I'll read it later because I just want to throw a couple of these other ones out. Tom Stone from the Times UK. Throw the Bourne, Bond, Mission Impossible, and Fast and Furious franchises into a blender, and voila, you might end up with a film like The Gray Man. You'll forget at the moment you stop watching it. Now, again, that's another three out of five review. I don't think anyone's hating this movie. I don't think anyone's watching this movie going, this is terrible. I think what they're doing is they're going, this is uninspired. This is nothing new. This is here, and it's going to garner an audience, as we've seen by the, budge, by the, the box office and also the, the audience reviews. But it's just not doing anything special. Another one here. All that effort, uh, this is by uh, Robert Levin from Newsday. All that effort and all that money should have paid for a better screenplay. So he's, you know, screenplay involves dialogue, involves pacing, you know, involves those kind of things. I don't think the screenplay was terrible. I don't no, think the dialogue was terrible. It was very simple. And, None of it yeah. took me out of it. Um, but it also didn't do anything special. And I'll say one more thing before I throw it back to you, Nick. I, when I was talking earlier about if you take a movie and it's like this movie and that movie combined, I think that takes away from it. You know, you could, I could see somebody arguing back, what about Mission Impossible 7? You know, there's already been six other ones. Why do we need a seventh? Isn't the seventh just a distillation of five and six and four? It's like, well, no, that's different because that's a franchise. And I'm not going to rate a Mission Impossible good if it's not doing something special. And I think each Mission Impossible besides the second one is, does something unique. It exists for a reason. Um, and that's a different conversation. But I will just, in, in case anyone was thinking that, like, well, there's, there's really great movies, Brian, that, that are just combos of other movies. Sure, but they do something special. And I don't think The Gray Man does something special enough to, to push it into good movie territory. Yeah. Yep. I can see that. You're listening to Critical Mess. I'm sitting here with Brian. I'm sitting here with Grizz. We're talking about The Gray Man. We are sponsored tonight by Woodenville Straight Bourbon Whiskey. 90 Proof bitch <laughs> nick is only here for the smooth talking the ads. Again. <laughs> that's great all right so here's what i think about about this so obviously big disparity here i'm going to throw just one very superficial thing out there in terms of a reason why people really um, like this movie or why audiences like this movie and maybe a reason that critics don't you know like a movie as much is is just the idea that you know, everyone in this movie is, I mean, with a couple of small exceptions, just smoking hot, right? Everyone is just a bunch of hot, oh, a bunch of hot people in this yep, movie. Yeah, very much so. Uh, pause, yeah. that Billy Bob Thornton's role almost went to Brad Pitt, just to throw that in there for your hot people. Well, then it just would have been too, then this movie would have <laughs> just have, been, just have been called like Inferno, because yeah, you this movie would have just been just too smoking hot. Uh, but but here's the thing. But I mean, you know, well, that's also interesting because, you know, both um, Billy Bob and Brad tied to Angelina. Mm-hmm. And mm. Billy Bob is, you know, he might not be the easiest on the eyes, but I mean, he was with Angelina Jolie, so obviously, I mean, he's just kind of by default hot, right? He's probably got a lot of confidence. Yeah, he's 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 hot. Yeah, yeah. I Anyways, wish, I wish I knew what that was like. So everyone being smoking hot in a movie, um, you know, does um, skew, I think, towards audiences. But also, just I, I think it's there's something to the fact that this this just this kind of movie just plays more to audiences, right, than critics. Just traditionally, it's it's big and bombastic, and things explode, and it's very colorful. You know, it plays to just kind of very primal and simple desires. Um, it's it's not deep. Um, it's really honestly the kind of thing I usually like. 
but I think Brian, you you hit this in this in these reviews. It just didn't do anything new for me, and just rehashed a lot of kind of old action tropes and ideas, and it just kind of smashed them all together. And it was it did it in a pretty ultra slick way, you know. I will give it that, but it wasn't very you know sharp for me. It wasn't a sharp movie. It didn't try anything new or interesting or, or cut through the noise in any way for me. But it was it was very slick. Um, so anyways, those, those are my thoughts on, it's like, as soon as you had a chance to think about the fact that it wasn't really doing anything, it would quick hit you with a drone shot or hit you with a huge location change. So I I love that about this. I don't know why, but the word slick is definitely a word that I would tie to this for sure. I think it took a lot of those tropes and things from other movies for sure. I mean, that's absolutely true. Um, I think what stood out to me just mainly was just the performances by Evans and Gosling. I think they actually did a really well job. I mean, I always compare this. I'm comparing to this the Red Nose because you mentioned it. No, I think that's a good comparison. It is a great comparison. They were very similar films right at the same time, same budget, same Netflix kind of special. Um, But uh, yeah, it's it's very slick. I thought they did it. They probably could have tightened this up a decent amount and made it a lot shorter and made it a lot cleaner. But overall, I thought it was very like cleaned up. It was very efficient with their time. Love the huge giant title screens of Prague, France, whatever, um, and then the soundtrack I thought was pretty dope too. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but like yeah, the, it was good, it was good, the bombastic was kind of tone for each sign of, and then each song actually matched the location. I don't know if you guys caught that. I so. did, I, I, and that was cool actually. But the I, the location changes drove me nuts. It was just like. Oh my! I was like just just settling into Prague here, and Nick, just, I'm glad you brought that up. Boom! I'm glad you brought that up. I'm in Sierra Leone. You know, it's like what is going on in the first 62 minutes of this movie, which is less than half of the movie's runtime. In the first 62 minutes of this movie, do you know how many location changes we have? Can Take I, a guess. Can I guess? Can, guess. 115. Oh well, not quite. <laughs> <laughs> 13. 13. That means. That we are in a location for six minutes at a time for till the midpoint of the movie. We are in Florida, Bangkok, Langley, Baku in Azerbaijan, Monaco, Chiang Mai, Turkey, London, Hong Kong, Vienna, Berlin, Croatia, and finally we hit Prague at the 62-minute mark. And we still have yet to go to Washington, D.C. and Virginia by the end. So we're in, we're in 15 different places in this movie. I mean, it's just, it's, and again, it's obnoxious. It's the, I do love a, a, uh, a Jason Bourne or a Mission yeah, Impossible. I love globetrotting adventure. I love globetrotting. Mm-hmm. Yes. I love it. It's, it makes me happy. But, and I, don't, and I don't think that this movie shouldn't have done those things, but what I'm saying is I think it used that mechanism to cover up an empty, um, I guess, I've, story or anything. I truly plot. think, yeah, that's where I think, like I just mentioned, like the efficiencies it could have used. It could have just, those could have been anywhere. It could have been Ohio. It could have been wherever. It doesn't matter where they were. I think they tried to make it a globe trotting thing as a ploy to make it more globally acceptable because it's going to Netflix and you want this to go across multiple lanes. That's um, an interesting point. I, it's very hard not to look at this movie and look at the marketing behind it and how they make movies now, especially for streaming where they want to make sure that it's not just alienated to one specific audience or region. They have to make it global. They have to make it big and whatever. So this is what, I'm sorry to cut you off, but just a very quick thing. I was watching an interview with one of the guys from the TV show Workaholics, right, which I absolutely love. Yeah. And this is why their movie got canceled. I don't yes. remember what studio it was, but they basically told them, you do not have appeal beyond, you know, 
America and you don't have appeal beyond this very specific demographic. So this is why they shut down yeah. the whole product. So it's interesting you say that because you're, yeah. you're right. That's what studios look for, that global appeal. But do you have to go to six different locations in the first 22 minutes? Absolutely That's right. No, I, look I would agree with that. That's six yeah. and 22. So the first 22 of the movie... What's 22 divided by 6? I don't know, 3.75? I mean, that's a couple of minutes, and then we're in a whole different place. Like, it is so ADHD. I think the only thing, the only benefit they had with it was they just stuck to the same two or three characters in all those cuts. They didn't try to throw in another character and another character. They didn't try to throw in one extra person per location. They, you kept with this main character, Ryan Gosling, and you kept checking in with the secondary villain, uh... Chris Evans. So I think that's the only benefit they had with the skipping, but uh, that's my my only argument to that kind of point. I, I but I would agree it is a lot of skipping around in the I, first half. It might be one of the reasons Peter Rayner from Film Week says it's kind of like watching a movie that's a trailer for itself because it does, mm. at least in that first 22, you know, the first act, I think the jumping around, you know, so I think I think I, I see what you're coming from the, from the global appeal thing, but I think they just went overboard a little bit with it. And a lot of the times you're fl- you're on this unnecessary drone shot because drones are are kind of new. It's such a gimmick. It's kind of like when bullet time became a thing. Well, now from from 2020 to probably it'll probably end in two years, 2025, 2026. It's just going to be we're just going to see these crazy drone shots. That's just some drone operator um, doing some cool, fancy moves. Michael Bay is going to use it a couple more times, and then it'll they'll be done with it. Don't ever watch the movie Ambulance if you don't like that. I, I, oh, I, I, oh, that's God. why. That's what I was it's referencing so with bad. Michael Bay. What, what's yeah. the opposite of a of a drone shot? Like, where are we going to like? You know, we're going to overcorrect in another. What is it like a microscope shot? Oh, macro, <laughs> macro shots, tight shots. <laughs> Yeah, I don't I know. know what the opposite of a drone shot is, but it's got to be it. Yeah, this movie shots. had way too many of them for very unnecessary reasons. They were yeah. in, they were in just like scene changes and just like someone's driving in a car, and so for us to transition scene to to get to that car, we do this crazy awesome drone shot, and then it's just these two people talking in a car. I'm like, why did we drone to this? Yeah. So there's I have a thing about that, and one of the I really it's a trope that I think is is happening now. I think Michael Bay does it like crazy. It's an FPV or first person view drone is what that's called. So they use these fast flying drones to shoot in and out of locations. And I think it's it's cool for creatives and, you know, cinematographers to get, you know, interesting shots. But the the problem I have with that is I think they did it well in this movie in comparison to a lot of films. I didn't think it was too over the top. It wasn't like so distracting. Now, I will give you credit for the number of cuts. They did cut a lot. And I think that just comes natural with fighting scenes. Um, it's just it, you have to hide a lot of things, fake cuts, fake punches, all that stuff. Um, but uh, the drone shots, I think, were done well. Where you get really messy is when you it doesn't feel natural. Like if I don't if it doesn't feel like the car is driving along another car and there's a camera in that other car shooting the other car, like that's where it's like, Oh, now it's flying up and down and around and through the car and around the car. That's where you're like, all right, now I'm watching something that feels animated. Like it feels unnatural for this to occur with a real camera. I think that's where, yeah, you can definitely credit. Last thing I'll say about the drone shots. I think they're great for establishing locations because it gives you a really quick lay of the land, you know? And so whenever they would show the big location text, you'd drone up over some sort of like palace and see a city or something like that. That's great. But when it's two people walking into a a a hospital, and um, you know, trying to be covert, and the drone like flies through the open doors and circles around them, and then be- turns into a, a steady cam. That's unnecessary. Yeah. Maybe that's where the two hundred mil came from. I don't know, but man, 
enough. I, I, I think the 200 mil came from just the sets. I think a lot of these were actually real sets, especially the scene in Prague with the Oh, the, pr- the Prague, the Prague uh, a castle and hedge maze was a lot of it. Yeah, that was amazing. But I think that's, uh, God, that had to have been where the most of the budget was outside of the actors themselves. But This is Critical Mess, and we're going to move on to another segment. And that segment is the incredibly smartly titled flip the script and there's only going to be one participant tonight because two of us scored this film within five points of 50 so i don't really think it's worth brian and i flipping the script on this film but grizz you gave this a very healthy it was an 85 right uh 83 i think oh god i've already forgotten i didn't even write it down oh goodness gracious it was somewhere in the 80s um yeah Grizz, you like this movie a lot. So flip the script on us. What did you not like about this movie? Uh, I think it was uh, uh, probably the length. I think it could have been cut down a decent amount. I think uh, they could have cut out a a little bit of just exposition here and there, and we could have filled in those blanks for a typical spy movie or action thriller. Um, I want to say this movie was probably two hours and 20. Two Two hours and nine minutes. Yeah, I was like, okay, two, okay, two ten. Was anyone else excited? By the way, when you, you know, you always, you always are aware of how much time is left in a movie. Was anyone else excited when the credits started, like fifteen minutes? This was from one the of end? my rapid fire points. Oh, sorry, I'm, I'm spoiled. No, 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 no. But let's just get into it for a quick second. I was like, yes, I'm done Four, already. <laughs> Fourteen and a half minute credits. It Holy felt like shit. finishing a deliverable really quick, and now you got like it uh, did. an hour back. It of your did. Life. I really right. felt like my whole evening got freed up. <laughs> I actually, <laughs> I actually moment. missed the entire credit scene. So when I'm done watching a Netflix film that's original, like or whatever streaming film i was i did not watch a single second of this when i first watched it the credit in credit scene and then the second watch as soon as it came on i was like oh that's cool they picked the same styling from the opening scene so you saw the uh him uh billy bob thornton pulling ryan gossing out of jail or whatever and saying hey you can do this it was cool how they slightly de-aged both of them and then thinned up ryan gosling i don't know if you guys noticed that and then he got more muscular as they showed him 20 years later 18 years later um, that kind of continuity was kind of actually respectable. Uh, but the opening scene was like this claymation, not claymation. It was like a, a weird metallic. It was like, it was metallic. Yeah, it was like a thing. metallic. I didn't like, I didn't like I, it. I don't I know. If, I, I, I don't know if I liked it, but I respected the, the crap, the, the how much it. effort they, they put into something it. Different. I yeah, thought it was, yeah, I thought it was different for sure. I thought it was really cool that they, they just morphed it into this scene. It felt like uh, old school bond intros like the 90s Bond intros that I absolutely love, where they just go into a fucking 15-minute intro of Bond-esque cards flying or guns shooting or whatever. Um, and then the end scene, if you guys didn't notice or watch the whole thing, I watched it this second time around. It's 15 minutes of the movie in reverse. And it goes, like, so the Yeah, because it ends with the fireworks in Bangkok. Yeah, yeah. it ends with the fireworks. In, oh, it's so right, good. I don't right. know. I thought that was great. I, no, I agree. And it's smart. It, yeah. And I, I actually kind of like the, the whole concept these days of, like, the pre-roll credits that's, like, the really artistically done. Like, if you ever watch, like, the Lego movies, they do a yeah. phenomenal job yeah. with that stuff. Yeah. Um, I know I'm, the Marvel movies probably do that stuff, but I don't really watch Marvel movies, so I don't know. But I, I think I like that because it's just... They don't. You don't have to do that, but they do it. Yeah. It's it's neat. It's like it's like it's celebrating the movie, and it gives the yep. music a chance for an overture, which I love. Uh, yep. You know, reprise of, of the themes. So, Grizz, you were script flipping. Yep. Anything else you want to add there? Mm. Uh, I have one. If you want to have a chance to think, uh, yeah. since I was at a forty-seven, I'll just give you one. Give you one that I wrote down. I respect. Okay, do you remember the the guy with the big machine gun in the black SUV when they're next to the tram and he's like shooting with the black SUV? I respect the fact that when that black SUV 
that's sort of a set piece and it's like it's like its own little villain when it crashes really violently i respect the fact that it did not explode it just crashed you know, I, was like, I was like, oh, here we go. It's going to be a big-ass yeah. explosion. No, it just crashed. And I was like, okay. They had too much budget to do an explosion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually <laughs> yeah, could, yeah. didn't have to cover yeah, up yeah, a crash with an explosion. These huge budget movies are actually using like real things again, which is great. I just We went through this huge, massive phase of just full-on CG. Like, oh, let's get away with everything. We'll do it in CG and post later. But I, I love that part. Grizz, so. did you think of anything while I was nah, giving you a, a... I was just gazing into your eyes. Yeah, Sorry, thank Brian. you. You were yeah. too enamored with The man money. likes the movie. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys, we always like to get into, at least briefly, thematics. Um, This film probably doesn't have the strongest or the deepest of themes. However, I think there may have been a theme or two. And I'll start, I feel like the theme to me was was pretty much kill everyone to achieve your goals. Death is the answer to your problems. Don't fuck with the best special agents. Am I dancing around something here or am I off? Well, I had corrupt people get what's coming to them, hmm. which maybe is is another the other side of the coin. It is the other side of the coin of of kill everyone to achieve your goals. Yeah, yeah you need two pieces or two you know working together to yeah. create that puzzle. So, yeah, we're okay. we're dancing around the I same had, thing. I had one other theme: um, not repeating the mistakes of your parents. I think it was a little bit more of a subtle theme, but. I think six, you know, it harkens back to the way his dad treated him re- it re- very abusively. Uh, matter of fact, which is what kind of sets up and leads, leads him to sort of valiantly be this, this, this criminal. Uh, and I think that, that he treats the girl, Fitzroy's niece, as good as he does because he doesn't want to make the mistakes of his father. Correct. I could be grasping at yeah. straws there. No, you're But I like that theme. Something there. Yeah. I like that theme. I had the exact yeah. same thing written down for the whole oh, father, sweet. daughter, son thing. Uh, and I, and second watch now I caught at the beginning scene when he's in, he's getting taken out of jail from by Billy Bob Thornton. He goes, he, and Billy Bob was like, you're going to need to dig deep for whatever got you to this point in your life to solve your problems. And so at the end scene is him getting drowned by Lloyd or Chris Evans, you know, character and he's got him under the water and then it cuts back to his father trying to drown him as a kid. And so I think that's interesting that they like pulled that throughout the theme, but I, I don't know if it's just a simple revenge or a back, you know, a weird revenge story, I guess, to get. I think it's a theme. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's what it is. And yeah. again, action movies like this don't necessarily, they can have very strong themes, but they don't necessarily shine uh, via their theme, their themes necessarily. It's a lot of times it's plot, it's twists, it's just eye candy in action so you know i'm not i did not fault the movie because it didn't have strong themes yeah and if uh i have to quote lloyd here if you want to make if you want to make an omelet you got to kill some people oh god i had that written down in my dialogue it's pretty good no that's terrible i hate i I hate that line i'm sorry (laughs) oh no it's terrible it's absolutely terrible now the the fact that chris evans said it and that character said it i think that's why i got away with it i don't know why yeah it just feels he's the only one that can get away with saying that terrible we're almost to the part where we get to talk about chris evans okay i can't (laughs) wait we're we're getting really close okay sorry we're getting really close because obviously that's a topic that needs to be discussed but before we do i also want to briefly discuss character arcs we got to talk character arcs were there any in this film um Brian, you're kind of the character arc specialist. I guess I'll I'll throw that to you. So, <clears throat> I kind of wrote, uh, I kind of created some categories 
before I started watching the movie that I wanted to talk about. I had dialogue, colon, with space to write about that. Performances, colon, space to write about that. Craft, tone, theme, and character arcs. And I filled in data for all of the points except for character arcs. I never could come up with something to put there. Everyone, everyone, except for maybe the lone wolf. You you could say the lone wolf somewhat had an arc, but not really. Because he didn't really change. He just realized that somebody was corrupt. And he, so I wouldn't even say that. So guys, I don't know. Are there any character arcs in this movie? I didn't see any. Uh, Well, there's the main agent female. I can't remember her character's name, but... Um, uh, she is. I see her. Right you know what I'm talking about. Her big, her big arc was she was with the agency, and then at the end, she realized, oh, maybe not everybody is who I think it is, or is out to do the same thing. I'm out. Mar- here Miranda. Do. Yeah. Um, the other arc is just this: the simple Ryan Gosling part where he's in this to get the hell out of jail, and then he's trying to do something right. I don't know. It's very difficult. I'm gonna. Push I think th- he realized there's a gray area to everything. Well, I, gray man, whatever. But I think he's just realized that there's a gray area to everything i'm I'm gonna push back a little bit there because i would or i'm I'm gonna ask a little bit more on that because i don't see an arc for him i see he's already a a, sort of a noble guy because he's in jail because he stood up for his brother who was getting abused Mm -hmm. he stood up for his brother killed his dad went to jail right so he's already like always righteous righteous guy and now he still is so i'm not seeing much there and then miranda i'm sorry i had a note here why was miranda in this movie that's one of those things where I'm like, you can be more efficient with this film and cut out maybe she's two or three not a strong character. If yeah, you no. removed her from the movie, I mean, I'd be sad because she's easy on the, easy on the eyes, but also, there I have a lot of problems with her character. So, I won't go into those now because we're, we're trying to talk about character arcs. But I, yeah, I'm, I'm not seeing any. Does the movie need a character arc? Yes. Yes. Mm, interesting. Agree. Interesting. All right, where were we? Arcs, character arcs. There are none. Moving on. Next. Next, next, we're going to move to a a special place, a a wholesome, quaint place, a place that just feels like home. It's my favorite place, and that place is called Brian's Corner. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Brian's Corner, a special little segment of the podcast where I get to run my mouth. Um, this week's edition is called "Not Buying It." And I'm going to list off a couple of things in this movie that I didn't buy. And I just want to get a quick... Consider this a spiritual successor to the now RIP defunct rapid fire section. And we, if we had to visually uh, look at Brian's Corner, it's very similar to an old uh, video store where they had the corner in the back with the curtain. Oh yeah! Oh wait, no, it's not yeah. the adult. It's not the adult section. Yeah, no, what I do? And there's a, there's a scuzz bucket back there. No, no, no. Right? No, that's <laughs> that's Nick's corner. This is Brian's corner. That is not my corner, sir. No. This is like Vincent's. My corner has Seinfeld. dignity. My corner is full of artwork and gold and wholesome things. Your corner's Bibles. extravagant. Well, let's talk about my whole, corner because yes. this is my corner. Damn it. All right, I'm going to say uh, these are things I didn't buy about the movie, and I just want to get a quick take on each of you. Are you buying it or are you selling it? Let's do it. All right. I'm not buying that those agents would go to war with the entire police force of Prague. Do you know how much heat that would bring? Just send in a sniper and do it covertly. And when I say do it, I mean take out six. 
I'll sell it. Yeah. Yep. You selling it? Yep. Are we supposed to believe there's an entire mercenary army in every city in the world just ready to go? Where did this army in Prague come from so quickly? I'm not buying it. I buy it. People are ready to roll. Uh, yes. In the smallest of towns, there are still a SWAT team. Once more on the Prague police uh, uh, segment. I'm not buying how many times a squadron of Prague police get completely owned by one solitary unarmed dude. It got to the point where it was just completely predictable. Yeah, you, I'll, I'll I'll sell that. That's that's. I mean, uh, Prague. They're not. I mean, that. I mean, Prague police. I'm sure they're somewhat competent. I mean, how many times were there like five guys aiming a gun at a dude who's got his hands up and he's like, "I'm unarmed," but he's like advancing on them and they're all just not shooting. He's like, "I'm unarmed," and then he like whoops all five of their asses. I, I do not know when the Prague police became the Keystone Cops, but they did. I'm sorry, Prague. Sorry, Prague. On behalf of fucking Joe and Anthony Russo. Sell it. Grizz? Uh, sell it. Okay. That, no more on Prague police. When Six head stomps Lloyd's head into the stone flower pot, he would at the very least be unconscious, if not dead. It was, that was awesome. I'm sorry. That it was last, a great. That last fight scene was fantastic. Oh, oh I love. And the that only scene. reason, the only reason it was great was because the weight between the two and the hate and how they had met each other once or twice, I think, in the film, like in face to face. And then they get to that point and they just beat the living shit out of each yeah, other. Yeah, the first time they met, they both got tranquilized or whatever. Yeah, or he yeah. gets shot in the butt and he yeah. falls over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember that scene, Nick? It's like it was a really cool yeah. backlit scene, and it was. A, and I went back and rewound that like four or five times. That was a baller, like yeah. head stomp, but like. That's that's instant death. I, this was a little, knee, this was a knee a little kick to his head into the concrete. Yeah, it was great. Nick, well, I'll buy it. Okay. Um, I think Lloyd had a thick head. Yeah, yeah. That mustache probably blocked some of the blow. I buy it. They're both hard yeah. asses. Okay, I've got two more. During the last fight, Six gets you ready for this. Okay, I meticulously went back frame for frame and watched. Six gets sliced in the thigh, deeply stabbed in the upper back. Sliced twice on his left arm, deeply stabbed in the left upper leg, left torso, and right upper back, a one, two, three stab, and then shot in the right thigh. Meanwhile, Lloyd gets shot once in the torso and immediately dies. I'm not buying that six is just fine and that chick knows he's going to live. I'll buy it. I think he's the toughest guy on earth. Okay. Yeah, I buy it as well, just for the fact that he's a hard ass. And the scene where he's taking his shirt off and cleaning up inside that uh, the cleaner's house or whatever, he's trying to get cleaned up, and he's like takes his shirt off. Did you see the number of bullet holes and cuts and fucking gnarly scars down his tricep? Can I can I bring something up so about good. that? This was going to be a rapid fire thing, yeah. but first of all, he's cleaning up at the cleaners, and the cleaner tells him to clean up, and then we see him cleaning. <laughs> it was so good. I, I'm, if I'm you just didn't like, catch on to how funny that was, could we on. at least skip over washing him? I, I get the reason was to show his hot physique. bod and, yeah, his and his scars and whatnot, and I, I, I get that. But it's just like when there someone was, tells you to go clean yourself up, if there's nothing more happening in the scene than just cleaning yourself, we can probably skip to the next scene. No, we had to see that because it was early enough in the movie that you had to see how far he's gone in 18 years of beating the hell out of his body. I don't know. I thought it was cool. <laughs> all right i can't believe you guys bought that one because somebody would completely die and bleed out if they were stabbed that no, many hey, times. I, all right so there is a uh god what is that freaking show called mythbusters where they talked about how many shots or things could happen to your the human body before it completely fatally there's only a like a few spots that are fatal head heart lungs stuff like that and then there are a multitude of things 
limbs, arms, legs, to- most of your stomach, things like that, are slow deaths rather than speedy deaths, like a heart. And then Lloyd gets shot just underneath the heart. So, and she had time to aim and shoot as he's standing right in front of you. You know what? I'll concede that one. That's a, that's a great that's a great point. Yes, I'll take that as a win. All right, my last one. Do you guys buy Anna Diarmas handling herself against multiple trained military operatives? And I and I, here's 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 what here's an example. I'll say I'm not saying that she's not elite trained. That she doesn't know how to take somebody down. I'm I'm the movie's selling that, and I'm buying that. Okay, but. Cast your mind back to 1981, Harrison Ford playing Indiana Jones, fighting a huge bald dude by a plane, okay? Um, do you remember how that, that fight goes and those type of fights go? Whenever it's a, a, a guy versus like two times the size guy? They got to get creative. He hits him and it like doesn't even rattle the guy, yeah. right? And it's, it's not because the guy hitting, i.e. Indiana Jones, isn't good at fighting. It's because physics, you can, if you're a, if you're 200 pounds, you can't just cold cold lock a, a 400 pound dude and knock him out, right? I I think movies like Red Notice with Gal Gadot and Anna Darmus and so many other ones, every movie Angelina Jolie's ever been in, you've got this frail little 115 pound little beauty, just like one shotting at all these like dudes that are like three times their size. Yeah, I almost- I know that's a tirade I just went on. I apologize, but. What do you guys think about that? There's something to be said about just the sheer, like, physics of it. So I, I said all that, and I'm ready to go. Right. I'll, I think that's sold. I'm selling everything about that character. Okay. We're on the same page then. Yeah. Yep. I agree. All right. Well, uh, thanks for joining me in Brian's Corner. Next time, we'll, I'll run my mouth about some other bullshit. And See, we can't wait. I can't wait either. I'm excited. I really want to know what Nick's corner is like too, with a with a gold extravagance. Well, it's Boy, that kind corner of, it's sounds gold great. plated. I mean, there's yeah, there's there's some nice things going on in my corner. So okay, we'll we'll get to my corner. I look someday. forward to Nick's corner. Yeah, um, this is Critical Mess. I'm here with Brian and Grizz. We're talking about the Gray Man. We are sponsored tonight by Woodenville Straight Bourbon Whiskey. We love it. So good. So good. Ninety proof. Fucker. Damn, I was going to say bitch at the same time as you, but you didn't say bitch. Sorry, I had to switch it up. Because, you know, Woodenville switches things up. That's what they do. That's how they stay at the leading edge of the bourbon game. And thank you, guys. We're definitely going to... I'm going to have to push that little toggle that says explicit now, because I feel like we've said shit, fucking damn, and shit, and, you know, crap, many of times in this episode. I think the third sentence of our podcast was Nick saying, we decided to do a podcast. (laughs) Fuck it. Let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. I I think, I I don't think this is our most profane podcast. We've been explicit out the gate. I look at it like PG-13 versus R, and I think, okay, was that really PG-13, or can we push it to R? Do I need to hit that explicit tab? Nice work. I mean, we'll keep it explicit. Don't you worry about that. All right. What's after Brian's Corner? I can't wait. After Brian's Corner, we're going to move on to probably what I guess I would probably call our... Our most legendary segment. Infamous. Most, uh, infamous, but also famous. True. And epic. And I think well-respected, but also kind of dark and mysterious. And that segment is called... Well, actually, what is it called? It's called Slow Burn. And is it's it? never been anything but. Mm. No, no. It's, it's Rapid Fire. Rapid Fire. Rapid Fire. It's also been known as Medium Fire, Crossfire... Crossfire. Yeah, Chris saying crossfire last time. So good. 
Yeah, various various different uh, monikers for this segment. But let's try to keep it at rapid fire. Let's try to boom, 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 hit it, hit it, bam. Slow burn it is. Let's yeah, go. there's going to be some. <laughs> there's going to be some rapid firing. There's going to be some slow burning. We're just going to get right into it here, gentlemen. So I think the first thing, obviously, it's been on the the tip of our tongues all night. We've we've all just been just just fiending to talk about uh, Mr. Evans and his performance in this film which was notable in so many ways and um mustache let's start with the mustache rapid fire slash slow burn how did we feel about the mustache furthermore who had the better mustache fitzroy or lloyd oh lloyd oh, well lloyd yeah uh, billy bob was rocking an awesome handlebar yeah it was okay. nice but it was more of a goatee because he had the bottom part too yeah so but it, but it was it was a separate white mustache yeah. above and beyond the beard it was nice I liked the mustache. Yeah. I got to go with Lloyd on that mustache. I really liked the mustache. I think it definitely gave him extra hit points. Um, No doubt about that. I liked that they called it a trash stash as well. Mm. Did Goslin call it a trash stash? I can't remember. I think he maybe did. Someone did. There were a couple good digs. The digs. When he said you you uh, you have an $8 haircut to to six, that was pretty good. That's a famous thing that Ryan Gosling people get all the time because his haircut is very awkward. But I love that the, I feel like they were personal. Like, they were actually going after Ryan Gosling himself and Chris Evans. They just learned things about themselves and they just knocked it for But I, I think it was Six who, who said the trash dash to, to Lloyd. Yeah, it's great. And let's, let's dissect Mr. Evans' uh, performance a little bit more here. I mean, I, I'm just going to come out and say it, guys. I wasn't really buying it, but I had a lot of fun with it. Um He's Captain America, man. I just, I just had a hard time getting over that. I don't even like really like the superhero movies and the Marvel movies, but, but I just, I really do identify him as Captain America most strongly, and I, I really had a hard time seeing Captain America being such a, sort of a, a sadist, I guess, um, and such a bad person, and that just it was, I was just kind of cognitive dissonance there. What was the first movie you you saw Chris Evans in? Uh, not another teen movie. Same. Yeah, and he was he was sort of the this this somewhat skeezy but hilarious heartthrob guy, right? It's hard because yeah. he was Captain America for what ten years, and I personally think Captain America: First Avenger was in my top three of the Marvel cinematic movies, I guess. And it's hard to not see him in that role, guys. I love Chris Evans as the villain so much more, but I in, like in, him a lot more as a villain. In Scott Pilgrim, he is such a good villain boyfriend. Never in, seen it. In oh, you got seen that either. Okay. Oh, so you guys, I didn't, I didn't okay. know there was precedent with him being. You guys got to check out Scott Pilgrim. There's so okay. many great villains in that movie, but right. he's one of the best. I've seen clips from it. He's a real piece of shit. So it's um, awesome. Knives Out. He's a great villain in Knives Out. He sort of well, makes I, that I movie. I forgot about that. Yeah, I guess Knives he's kind Out. Of the he's kind of the villain I again. Guess. With, again yeah. with Ana de Armas, and then yeah. in this movie, um, yeah. the villain. So okay. you know, I I am more intrigued with him as the villain. I'm just going to say that. I would agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, intri- I, I just it was intriguing and it was and it held my attention. But there's something about it. It just it was kind of like a little uncanny. You know what I mean? Like I don't something know. was just I, a little didn't, off. Didn't you love during the last fight when he went and he took a break and he t- and he sat down and t- dumped the rocks out of his shoe and put him back on and went back to the oh, fight? Was I mean, that is yeah, yeah, yeah. great. Fun. No, the better part was like when he falls in the water for the first time and it hits the oh, burn that mark. He's like, oh, <laughs> da, da. he's yeah. like running around. That's oh, so good. I, I loved it. I can see how you wouldn't buy him, especially if you're used to him being the hero. But uh, and like Snowpiercer, he's a great hero in that. He's very much a hero or villain you know he's not he's not a side character yeah he's so, yeah good good for, sure. for him for for i'd love to see a side both. movie a second movie with just him because i know this is this is um rapid fire but it's it, you know it's slow burn now we, we had real quick get, get real quick well, at least we tried what other 
Hollywood Chris can can walk that line and do both. I don't think any of them can, of the four Hollywood Chrises. And if we need to review the four Hollywood Chrises, they are Chris Evans, Chris Pine, Chris Pratt, Chris Hemsworth. Name another Chris who can do the hero and the villain besides Chris Evans. Is Chris Pine seems like he's done a villain sometime, but I, I can't think of what it would have been. So maybe I'm like making he's that the up. Closest chance you have is what, Chris what, Pine. He was he was. Uh, you want to say the bad guy in Hell and High Water with Ben Foster? That's kind of maybe what I'm thinking yeah. of. He was kind of like the kind of just a Chris, bad influence. Okay. Chris it's, Pratt has it in his contract. He, can he can't both. be a bad guy in any yeah, way, shape, or form. For sure. So no yeah. chance he's going to. And, do and it. man, that's a great movie, by the way. Which one? Uh, Hell or High Water? Oh yeah, Absolutely. Tommy Lee Jones. That gets Josh a little Jones. bit. I feel Beautiful. like that movie doesn't get enough love. That's yeah. like one of the. That's like top three movie that year. What probably. a great cast! Yeah. What a yeah, indeed. Insane sorry, man. sorry to make that rapid fire into slower, but I had a lot pent up inside me for Chris Evans. Yeah, we all. And I had to get all. it out. We all do. Mm-hmm. All right, rapid fire. Here we go. Here we go. So I want to call out one scene in particular that I thought was really cool. I thought it was probably the coolest action sequence in the movie. And I don't think it was probably intended to be the the biggest. Maybe it was. I don't know. It was a pretty big scene. But it was the one where the kind of the plane was blowing up in the middle of the sky. And it was like Gosling was a kind of like beating guys up as the plane was going down and kicking them out the door. And you know exactly. And I don't know if you guys had a Nintendo growing up. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. But d- did you guys by any chance have Double Dragon 2? Yeah. yeah. Because that scene was... A level in Double Dragon Two, where there, there's a helicopter and an open door, and you're like, and the helicopter's flying, and you're like kicking people out the door as the helicopter flies through it's the a air, great as you're just beating reference. them up. Yeah. So yeah. That, it was like it was literally that that level from Double Dragon Two, and I was like, that is so fucking cool. And it actually, um, the way they just kind of filmed it, and the way the the plane sort of disintegrated incrementally, like around him, and the way that kind of all just transpired, it was just a cool. It was a really cool action sequence. Fully agree. And I had on. Remember when you said that Grizz was the only one allowed to do flip the script? Well, had I been included in that, uh, my other flip the script was was written down right here. The plane crash sequence was well done. Yeah, I think the practical effects overall were really great. I don't know. There were only a couple well, of Well, those weren't practical. Yeah, those were, well, those were very no, CGI. No, no, no. I know, but the the fact that he's in that and he's rolling around, like I think they had a physical set that You're right. They started in. it started out practical. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think they mixed in enough of it that it felt real enough. That's the the hard part about mixing it in. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh one line of dialogue. Don't say preternatural to me. That's an asshole word. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because when he said that, it hit me, and I was like, "Whoa, that's a big word for this movie." And I know of that was they a, called it out. That was a, that's a that was an interesting interesting word. Is um, it funny that whenever scene. those moments happened, there's like a line or a thing that happened, and then they immediately call it out right after, like we are going to call us on our own shit before you do. Yeah, I respect that's, that. Yeah, it's good. That's good writing. Uh, okay, rapid fire. So uh, this was just a quick. This has just made me think of this, but the scene where. Gosling gets kind of trapped by the the cleaner guy down in the well. I mean, how Buffalo Bill was that? I, I thought he was going to oh, say, so you know, creepy. the lotion makes the what's the line <laughs> about the lotion? I've he got, puts I, the lotion on the skin. I don't remember, about but the, I have strong thoughts about that pit. Uh, okay, please, let's hear. Divulge. So, Slow how down. many passport bootleggers have a trap door to a cobblestone dungeon, and what are the chances that six would happen to find one? And why does it have a giant city water main in it? And how in the hell does Six MacGyver a pipe bomb in there? And 
Wouldn't his captor come check on him at least once, especially with millions of dollars riding on the fact that he's captured? And finally, how did he know the bomb, which was strong enough to blow away the bulletproof glass, wasn't going to hurt him at all? A lot of problems with that pit. You are just no fun, are you? (laughs) I'm not. Absolutely zero fun. I'm a fucking curmudgeon. Go watch any Bond movie or Die Hard movie. I'll take my Woodenville and go home. I actually, I mean, that, that was a so silly of a scene, but I thought it was great. I, I say know. all that, but I like that that was in there. And I remember that was one of the most memorable scenes from the first time I watched it. And I was like, oh yeah, there's going to be the pit. So yeah. my, my heart loves it. My head doesn't. Yeah. It's, I, that's a hard thing for me to watch this movie. And in any movie, any action, especially recent action films, is how much of your head gets in the way of just you just enjoying a film. And I think that's one of the hardest being, things about being a critic of a film, especially for all three of us now, is how far do we take that? Well, that's where the enjoyability rating versus the critical rating comes yes. in. And, and, you know. yeah. but I, and I almost put the cobblestone pit in Brian's corner, but I felt like <laughs> Brian's corner was getting a little cluttered with, with uh, de- decor. So I had to take it out of Brian's yeah. corner. Smart. A couple lines of rapid-fire dialogue. Because I got shot in the ass, Suzanne. So that, good. That was a great line. Yeah, I actually like that line. I love it a lot. I thought that was as he's walking Lloyd's away and his, maybe his best outfit. line. And because he's, he's answering, he's answering. How'd you know there's another person there? And he's like, I can't shoot myself in the ass. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's a good line, good, good stuff. Another one. Um, I can't believe. Do we get a Babe reference in this movie? We do, and I had that written down. Yes, yes we, we did. just talked about Babe. We did. What last episode or two ago? Yeah, right. And now all of a sudden, that'll do, pig. That'll do. We were just saying. I think I quoted that line. Yeah, last episode. Yeah. Um, the fingernail scene. How do we feel? That felt like for PG thirteen. I was like, okay, that's what I'm talking okay. about, guys. There were some some legitimate deaths and hits and shot like death scenes and kill scenes that I felt like it could have pushed this just barely to an R. And I don't know. I just they could have gone way darker with this and just thrown it to the R setting and been like, fuck it, let's go. I'm still going to prove to you that it's a kid's movie in, in about one and a half minutes. Okay. Can I give you another rapid-fire dialogue? Yeah, yeah, please. Extra $10 million to the first guy to put a mm. bullet in this Ken doll's brain. Um, good, good line, and I, I brought that up. Did he actually call him a Ken doll? He called him a Ken doll. Oh, I didn't realize I watched that. It, I watched wow. it with subtitles. Yeah. Wow. And that's awesome foreshadowing because Ryan Gosling literally is playing Ken and Barbie that's in theaters right now. And so, fun cool. fact... Barbie is a brilliant film. I loved it. I'm probably going to go see it again. But uh, he got that role while filming this, and oh, that cool. is the reason they threw that little scene in there. Oh, really? So, oh, yes. funny. So it is tied so together. A full-blown, uh, on-the-cuff, off-the-cuff thing. That Meta Evans, yeah. connection. No a, lot of, no, a lot of those are because of them personally. So the $8 haircut is also a thing because... You know, Ryan Gosling has a Well, that's what I meant by meta. Like, it's yes. like a outside I love of the it. movie. I think that's great. I love yeah. that part of it. I, I agree. One more quote I loved was, a lot of blood. A lot yeah. of blood. <laughs> He's <laughs> slowly dying from his eight so stab felt like a great, like, diehard line where, you know, Bruce Willis is just laying there bleeding to death after uh-huh. an entire day of action. Uh-huh. Yeah. I've got um, three rapid fires. So, uh, I'll, I'll say one of them now. What's up with location font size these days do you feel like every movie is trying to outdo yeah, the movie it's, before it's, it? it's 700 point or nothing pretty soon time. it's going to yeah, be yeah. it's just going to be one word yeah. london and one letter right. so i <laughs> have fucking london it's going to be l yeah. and half of an o yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Be, because this movie was such a globe-trotting experience, I think it it feels okay to me, but it's the Russos that started this with uh, uh, the Avenger movies. They uh, Endgame and something, uh, what was the, Infinity War. They did that with those movies at every location. I, I don't th- I, so I don't think they started it, but in a, in the, that's not a bad they thing. Made famous, I actually like the stylistic yeah. nature of that, but I'm just kind of pointing it out. Like there, There's so many other movies that it's like you don't show the little, remember in the 90s? That'd always be like the yeah. like kind of the, <laughs> the typewriter of like yeah. where we're at, like yeah. middle of the Russian sea, like in the bottom left corner, yeah. real tiny. And now it's yeah. like Russia, you know, it's just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It's just show, it's just sign Hilarious. of times, you know. That is, anyway, that's funny. Rapid fire for you. That's funny. There it is. Slow burn, baby. All right. Um, uh, this is just a quick observation I had. I could have made this movie an extra billion dollars by just changing the title. If we would have just called this Call of Duty the movie. I feel oh. like it's an extra billion on this movie. And I feel like this movie really did. I play a lot of Call of Duty and the especially the action sequences just they, it just I just felt like I was playing some Call of Duty, especially like in Prague, like in the street. Yeah, 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 right. Stuff. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so it, that Prague uh, in the the, the, the castle plane. too. Yeah, yeah, the there's plane, actually the castle, a, a, there's actually the maze. A, there's a war yeah. zone level right now in the Netherlands that is like it had it give me give me vibes of this movie. So I just you give know, me gold line pay, maps. pay the extra 500 million dollars for the license, slap Call of Duty on it, man, and then you got yourself an extra half a billion dollars. You heard it here first. I probably wouldn't have watched it, but I'll, I'll take a ten yeah. percent commission. Yeah, that takes me out if I. It's got a big old commercial name on it. But. Here's a really esoteric uh, uh, rapid fire for you. So I just watched The Negotiator again. Hadn't seen it in a long time. Mm. I really like that movie. I do a too. lot, and it holds up. Um, here's my rapid fire: snipers with toothpicks. Snipers with toothpicks. Palermo in The Negotiator. He's a sniper. He's got a toothpick. Six in The Gray Man. He's a sniper with a toothpick. Just planting that in your brain you'll see a sniper they got a toothpick i guess it's like a little it's sniper flare it's sniper flare yeah and i think the only way you're going to beat that is with maybe a cigarette but i i think the, the smoke the, gets in your eye when you're trying to squint and look through the the the, the scope yeah if you're a fucking amateur true you got me there <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no the toothpick is 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 super cool yeah like, it was just funny because I, 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 cool. I watched them back to back like literally one movie then the other movie and they both had a sniper the toothpick never seen the negotiator but i can see a lot of callbacks because the russos are in there, oh you but, haven't seen the negotiator no, i've never seen it but i i can see how the do you, russos... do you see this poster right here mm-hmm. the director of that directed the negotiator he's I'm, po- a... I'm pointing at friday by the way yeah, an amazing a... poster of friday on on nick's mantle Local bigger picture show, right? Bigger picture show yep, poster yep, 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 yep. of Friday. My last rapid fire: the bathroom where Denny and the woman have the conversation about evidence was the darkest bathroom I've ever seen. There wasn't any lights on in that bathroom. Oh, funny. Yeah, yeah, I kind of did notice that. That's a funny observation. Yeah, yeah. All right. I don't want you to see that gross floor. What yeah. else you got, Nick? I'm done. That's I'm out with rapid fires. Um, well, actually, I want I want to toss it back to you real quick because I do want to get to your um, your why why this is a children's film. You have five reasons, is that right? I have five reasons. All right, let's let's hit those. So th- this was in my tone section. I was like, "What's the tone of this movie?" Right, when, uh, Grizz, you and I were talking earlier. And, and can I ask when you say a children's film? Are you talking about like like four or maybe like yeah? What is a child? You, you know, twelve. I'm somewhat ironically calling it a kids movie. Mm-hmm. Do you remember how we talked about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which you would probably need jerk reaction to say this is a kid's movie, but I was kind of saying it's not. In in response to that, when I watched this movie, it's a kid's movie dressed up as a teenage boy's movie, I think. I'm not saying that children should be allowed to watch the movie, but I'm saying it's made content-wise, structure-wise for 
kids for simpletons for simpleton well no no <laughs> i don't want to say that because i because i did enjoy the movie kind of what you're saying though no it, okay the, well, we're the, the, all simple in our own way i think my five reasons will explain why yes please um so uh number one location change every seven minutes to keep the kids attention i think what that does is that keeps your attention and somebody said or that one critic said this is the ultimate dad ironing or the, the or folding laundry watching in the background movie i mean that's that's it's, it's for review, yeah. it's not for somebody who's really analyzing this movie it's just like oh here we are in a new location so now i'm still intrigued number two it centers around a good guy versus bad guy fighting chasing each other the whole time with the good guy winning ultimate showdown at the end that's a very kids tropish thing to do. You've got a good guy, bad guy. It's very clear who they are, and the good guy wins. And they're chasing each other the whole time. Number three, lots of shiny eye candy. Uh, the drone camera movements we talked about. There's big guns. There's over-the-top prog castle and hedge maze in this movie. Uh, we've got a hedge maze in this movie, Nick. Uh, the fun record music playing during the fights where it's like this kind of juxtaposition of this, this crazy fight but then this, this old-school kind of record playing that's like this happy-go-lucky music. Um, kind of, I don't know, just way too polished for me. Number four, there's lots of silly one-liners and yelling. Very simple, just like direct in your face. You know, someone kill this guy. How is no one hitting this guy who's handcuffed to this bench? Just very direct um, dialogue. Very simple. My, my, my seven-year-old could understand everything that was said in this movie, except the word preternatural, which was then probably explained to him by the movie itself. Number five, the lack of complexity, nuance, or character depth. We, talk, we hit on that with character arcs. And then my bonus was, this movie has a witty kid who out-talks the big dumb adults. Take all those together, and to me, you've got a, on paper, if you didn't see the, the, the sort of, like you were saying, Grizz, the, the very violent scenes in it, you'd say, oh, that's a kid's movie. Is that Spy Kids 3? No, it's The Gray Man. I wouldn't go that far, but I truly think this film probably would have benefited if they had pushed it to an R and just went for it. I truly think they would have I gotten agree with you on that. more yep. views, more respect, more everything. If they I don't think it would have made as much money. No, absolutely not. I do yeah. not believe that. That's the classic you know, debate. Yeah. Of, it would have been a better movie. You're yeah, right. I but, think it would have been a better movie. And, and I think that's what takes away from the movie is, yeah. oh, we can make more money if we just neuter it. I think that was Netflix saying, yeah, we'll grab you Russo brothers right after you get done with Marvel. You come on in and we'll give you a bunch of money and you come out and make us a global box office franchise. And that was the plan from the beginning was franchise. And I'm sure they'll make another one, but how they do that, I don't know. But oh, I, and I'll watch it. Yeah, I will too. Yeah. So I got two more rapid fires here or two more slow, slow, slow burns. Um, Sm- smoldering, just, yeah, just smoldering burns. Smoldering at this point. tonight, just smoking. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about you know quickly the ending. I just kind of had a problem with the ending. I thought it ended weirdly abruptly. Um, I nothing. I, I felt there were some things that didn't quite get resolved, like with the kind of the bad guy. I guess he kind of got screwed because the whatever the little drive he had that all the incriminating incriminating information about him was, you know, captured or whatever. I I I just didn't I didn't feel like it paid off very well, and 
um, I feel like they just tried to jam a bunch of shit from earlier into the movie, or, or excuse me, from earlier in the movie into the end of the movie to kind of like make it like profound and poignant when it wasn't. And I mean like the the gum chewing thing. Remember, she the girl was can like, I, you can, can I chew, chew gum, gum in here? And he's like, yeah, can I chew gum in here? And like the the song, the whatever the Silverbird, Silverbird. song, you know, from the beginning, and they just kind of tried to tie it back in like kind of a ham fisted way. And I just I wasn't buying the ending, and I didn't think it was good. What did you guys think? I liked the ending. I didn't have any problem with it. Yeah, it was a little heavy-handed, I think, with those callbacks. But I think they were done well enough that I I'd agree with all of it. Well, well, here, well, here's the other thing. Did he? I, I man, maybe I just wasn't clear on this. Didn't he kind of like kill a bunch of innocent people in the very end? There, basically, <clears throat> he murdered a bunch of like up as far as we operatives. know, upstanding. Normal sit they were just watching after that girl. I literally just realized that. You're right. What do you mean? What do you I mean she was in a she was in, somewhere. in protection and he yeah. just comes and like well, I guess she wasn't really happy there, but they they weren't evil people. She was no. being held he, he captive just by what murdered some, some guy I mean Well the, she was in the, she wasn't being held captive, she was being protected. She be, right. And all of the protectors that remember he's like She's she opens a thing and it's like turn this turn play this loud. So she puts she covers her ears and right. plays the record and you see the the silhouette outside of the window yeah. and and a bunch of people die and then he walks in and he's like can I chew gum in here? But that's and, the whole turning point of that Miranda whatever her name was I can't remember what you said but like that's her Miranda yeah yeah so like that's her character sitting there being like we need to continue that we need to hold her hostage and make sure he stays out of it. And oh, we have names wrong. Miranda was Anna de Armas. Oh shit! Yeah, um, I don't know the name of the girl you're talking about, but maybe you're onto something there. I, yeah. Maybe I missed something with that. But yeah, you're right, Nick. He d- murdered a bunch of people. Like probably yeah. like like Officer Dave at the CIA doesn't get to go home to his yeah. wife and kids tonight because of Gosling's selfish, whimsical murder spree. So I don't like that, but I do like sort of the callback to the gum and the callback to the to the song. It was a little cathartic to me, but I, it was, okay. it's now just been ruined. It's been spoiled by you. I don't Good. know. I can't. I, it's so. just a dirty ass system, I guess. I don't know. What are you supposed to learn from that? You, which one's the good guy? The CIA or and that? I don't know. I don't know. It just seemed innocent to me. But anyway, okay. So the last thing I wanted to bring up as part of um, rapid fire slash slow burn is by far, by far, by far the most important thing we've discussed so far tonight and with this movie. And um, so let's get into that. And that is the whole idea or the notion of um, in the final fight scene with Evans and Gosling going at it. Evans, in very epic fashion, pulls out a butterfly knife. Mm. I thought of you right away. Butterfly knife. Immediately text you. Which which should, um, you know, to to the people who are in the butterfly knife hobby, which is a very strange thing. I, I get that, but I it's a strange hobby I have. I collect butterfly knives. Um, I like flipping butterfly knives. Um, I can see I can see at least seven right now as I sit here on Nick's couch in the room with us right now. And actually, it's making me a little sick calling them butterfly knives. They're called balasongs. Is what us elitists in the I was community shocked that you actually referred to them as butterfly well, knives. I know, for a no one knows there. what the yeah, fuck yeah, a balasong is. Yeah. That's the thing. No one no one knows what balasong means. So you know, so we we call them butterfly knives. But anyways, super badass. And honestly, brought this this I mean film up at least I'm going to say a good seven or eight points for me. Um, that we included a ballad song so prominently. And I just want to say the line that um, Chris Evans says when he um, very, um, I would say, adroitly pulls out the the ballad song. And he does what we would call a standard opening um, with the ballad song. 
Um, he does it fairly well. It's not a very difficult move. It might take you an hour to to get down, but um, he does it. He does it pretty well, and he says, "Let's see if these moves fuck." Uh huh. Yeah, he said that. And I think what does that move, mean? I, I don't. I think it means he's pulling out a balisong and he's going to do some moves with it, and he's going to see if those moves fuck. And I'm going to go out on a limb and say those moves did fuck. They did. He stabbed him a few times. Well, we went through how many times that those moves sliced and stabbed, didn't we? Yeah, they they fucked hard, and I think that um, you know he actually did a couple other tricks with the balisong. I knife. noticed one time where he kind of d- did the first stab, and he kind of came back, and he sort of flipped. He flipped it into an inward stance. He did. He did like a, a quick switch um, okay. to, to flip the knife over. And he did also did a kind of a beautiful aerial from one hand to the other hand. That was really cool. Um, which is which is a, a really nice move. Um, so, Chris, um, really appreciate you getting the song in there, buddy. Um, and, and I would say songs have a um, kind of an interesting and long history in cinema, if uh, you're unaware of this. And there's actually a great YouTube montage, if you've got a couple minutes. Just type in uh, movies song or something, and it'll come up, I'm sure, that kind of shows a lot of the movies that have featured a song. But just a couple of examples um, of movies that prominently feature a song: Face Off, mm. um, if you can remember... Uh, John Travolta gives a ballast song to his daughter and ends up getting stabbed with oh, said yeah, ballast song. That's right. Um, in the um, is that like in your echelon of like movie scenes having the knife moment for you? I mean, it's a good knife moment. It's a big okay. knife moment. Yeah. Um, I it's mean, huge. anything with a ballast song is going to yeah. rank highly with me. Um, try, I, I want to come up with one before you say it. Keep going, but I yeah, really I'll, I'll, I'll just give you one other one. Um, but seriously, watch the montage. It's it's fun. I think um, a face off. Is that what you mentioned? Yeah, That's yeah, face off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another one that comes to me um, though is falling down. Um, oh, Michael a, Michael Douglas. There's a scene yeah. where he's getting robbed, and the guy pulls out a ballast song, and it's actually if you watch that scene, please YouTube this scene because if the guy pulls out the ballast song and he kind of tries to do an opening and he completely fucks it up and it looks super sloppy. Oh, okay, and it's and it's <laughs> okay. what made the final cut for the movie, so it's oh, it's boy. it's pretty funny. So it was his best attempt. Yes, as a ballast song flipper, I always cringe a little bit at that scene falling down. But um, anyways, I just. Um, I just I had to bring that up because I just thought that was that was so funny that there was a ballast song in this movie. And and just one other little side note about that scene is, you know, he he does drop that line, let's see if these moves fuck. This is a PG thirteen film. Oh yeah, we got an F bomb. So this was a this was a rare F bomb. Did he drop it at the right time in the right context? I mean for me, yeah, because I, re- I that's memorable for me. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, it's well used. I don't know. I really, I still just wish this was pushed to an R and they went even harder with it. But no, yeah, I, it's I, good. I, I like, I like, I respect that. That's where they put it. That is the one thing about PG thirteen. They have one moment for that. They don't just overuse it and they're not overzealous with it. They just like they have that one moment. And I feel like typically, if it has weight. Great. Typically, they save it for like the hero or somebody noble to like really just kind of drop it. You know, like yeah. an Armageddon. Perfect yeah, like example. an Armageddon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Great point. Our and, past and Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, it says it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, what a great of, callback to our old episode. Yeah, but but I and I, so I respect the fact that the villain gets to say it. Yeah, yeah that is like fun. It. I like it. No, I respect uh, Nick. Your call out for the ballast song. Is I've been enlightened, you guys. Mm-hmm. I, feel I love like, it. I feel like I'm sitting in a in a in a red velvet chair in Nick's corner <laughs> with all the gold. Everything's I, gold mm-hmm. around me, and there's ballast songs flying You're surrounded around. Surrounded by dolly paintings. I love it. It's like knives out. Postmodern me. art. Yeah, yeah. that's mm-hmm. great. My half-assed yeah. corner would be just looking at watches and films. Oh, we'll, we'll get into your. Yeah, corner. we'll get to we'll that get, one. We'll day. get to your corner. We'll get to everybody's corner. There's some great ones in this film. I won't get to it, but it's yeah. I'll get to it around. So, guys, that exhausts my rapid-fire slash slow burn um, topics. I don't know if you guys have anything else. It's probably a good thing we... because this is probably our by far our longest. I know we are really so just crushing this. And, I, and the <laughs> funny thing is, I thought this would be one of our shorter ones because it was kind of the movie was you know not 
Um, I, I didn't take as many notes on it, honestly, as I did on a lot of these other movies. So I'm well, surprised. I blame the Woodenville. Mm, Woodenville, we love you. Thank you. You rat f- shit. <laughs> 90 proof, bitch. bitch. <laughs> okay, a little too much Woodenville. Um, here we go. So, guys, um, I think, you know, that, that brings the, the, the slow burn segment to an end. And um, I think that kind of gets us to the, to the tail end of the episode. Before we give concluding thoughts, though... Um, I do want to um, bring something up that's that's very very important. Um, we've we've gotten a little bit of feedback on our um, on our podcast, and we really really appreciate um, that that feedback. And so far as we know, it's it's not from one of our mothers or um, or, or friends or or something like that. We think we've got some some genuine comments. So we really appreciate um, all of you that that are that are listening to us and, and and commenting. That's just super awesome. We 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 think you are the best. So actually, we got a comment here. Um, and uh, we'll we'll we will if you guys give us comments we'll read them so so please send them in even if you there you guys suck and it's the most trashy podcast on the internet whatever I mean give Fine. us a scathing review yeah, and please, we'll read it that, that's great content yeah that is great content talk yeah, about us, how Brian's corner should be burnt to the ground that's great that's amazing yeah, that oh crusty, no, no dirty no. video store corner <laughs> <laughs> warts and all we will take any comment you've got but the comment I'm going to read tonight um, is from Cinna V I hope I'm saying that right. Um, and the comment is really well done. Fun podcast. Feels like I'm sitting around with friends having a beer and talking about movies. Highly recommend. So, Cinevi, thank you so much, um, sir or madam. We really appreciate um, that that comment. You are uh, no doubt an absolute boss, and we uh, really appreciate um, you listening and and all the rest of you as well. So, um, all right, guys, we have um, you know belabored this uh, movie i think a little <laughs> bit here tonight but we had some fun so you know i i think that's that's good but let's let's give some closing thoughts guys i'll keep it quick i don't feel like the the movie has that kernel that i talk about sometimes that makes it special and i think that that um just doesn't add enough to the movie to make it be great or even good i would watch the movie again though that's a great yeah i like that brian thank you uh i think with my 83 review i was definitely in the first viewing 70 80 so i think pushing it to that low 80s now for me in a second watch i think it has some good rewatchability so i i like this film a lot it was a lot of fun great characters but yeah i'd see a sequel yeah and i'd just say you know decent action somewhat forgettable um worth a watch if you like action movies but um nothing special in my book um so, all right, guys, we got two more quick things to cover before we call it a night here. One is, I think, I just want to bring up, and, and maybe we can just bring this up preemptively, maybe we'll start doing one planned icebreaker and one impromptu icebreaker, but how could our icebreaker next episode not be, what is your ultimate folding laundry movie? Oh, that's that's the question right oh, there. Oh, man, that's a great segment going forward. Because it's yeah. almost like a vibey question. It's almost like it you, we talk about rewatchable movies where you're kind of glued to the screen or, you know, great movies. But what's the movie that you just want to be on to keep you company? Yeah, yeah that's a great way to put it. That's a great way to put it. So we'll, we'll talk about that next episode. That's a good Guys, question. Marinate on that question, please. And then we'll, we'll do an impromptu question as well. Add it to your reviews. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> uh, but... The other thing, of course, is we need to tease next episode's film. And the last two episodes, I made an executive decision. Grizz made an executive decision on The Gray Man. So it's only right that Brian tonight gets to make an executive decision about our next movie. So, Brian, please kill the suspense. What is it? Welcome back to Brian's Corner. I have an announcement to make. 
Episode 14 will cover the movie Can't Hardly Wait. Ooh, fun. there we go. Fun. All right. I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm excited for that. That's I know we all have opinions on that movie. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. So we're, we're going to have some fun with that. It's going to be a sure. whole different feel, a whole different episode. Yep. It's going to be it's going to be good. I cannot wait. <laughs> and we <laughs> <laughs> that just had to be said. <laughs> and I hope you all can't wait either. So thank you all again um, for listening to Critical Mess. You all are awesome. You are the best. We'll be back again with a new episode on Can't Hardly Wait here in a week or so, or maybe two weeks. I don't know. Soon. You can bet on it. So thank you all for being here, and until next time. See ya. Later.